Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Good evening and welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? I'm your host, Chad Knight. This is episode 7, September 9th, 2016. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Welcome to my mind, Mayor. So I got a few things I wanted to talk about this week. Uh, let's start with the the biggest one, at least in my mind right now, is summer is winding down. It's coming to an end. Just had Labor Day. Weather is getting nicer, in my opinion. I'm not a huge fan of summer. Love fall, so this is a good thing as far as that goes. Um, but the days are shorter, the nights are longer, and... The one thing I dislike about that is uh, when you're sitting at work and you go in in the morning and it's kind of dark and you leave in the afternoon and it's kind of dark. So, what you know, when you live as far north as I do, um, that happens. And it's a good two months where that happens, where it's just like you're never outside during the day. You're never outside when it's daylight, I should say, because it's still technically day when you're out there. It's just dark. Um, cooler temperatures. I'm a big fan of cooler temperatures. I'm a bigger guy, smaller than I used to be, but still a bigger guy, and I hate the heat. And maybe as I continue losing weight and doing the things I'm doing, I'll like summer more, but, um, you know, who knows? Maybe we can ask uh, our guest here. He's sitting here next to me, so I don't know, Brian, you've lost a bunch of weight, too. Mm -hmm. Does summer get better? I never had a problem with heat. So. Yo, you were never. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. No, no. I, in fact, I had to put it. I had to put air conditioning in a car because of heat. I was not. I didn't have a problem, but my three ladies all freaking did. So oh, okay. We had a summer trip one year, and they all got out of the car where they were were these big puddles of uh, wet, and where I was was dry. And I was like, obviously, I can manage my heat better. So. Okay. See, I I've always even when I was skinnier when I was younger, heat and I just don't get along. Anything over like. 80 degrees, and I'm just shot. It's oh. just too hot for me. For me, regulating temperature has never been a... <laughs> it's hard for me to actually get sweating. So oh, okay. I can, I can do it, but it, it takes a lot for me to do it. Well, as you, as you know, the walks we've done the last couple uh, Sundays, I sweat really easily. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. But... All right. Uh, next topic. Uh, Evercon is coming up, um, and I'm kind of going to put two topics here together, but I've started creating my games for Evercon coming up. Um, I'm doing two games. Um, besides all the other stuff I'm doing with Evercon, I'm actually going to run two things. I'm going to do a D&D uh, Dungeons & Dragons for you non-gamers out there. Uh, edition 3.5 game. Uh, I'm going to call it uh, The Family Cottage. But really, it's going to be a group of PCs getting together and going to investigate a quote-unquote haunted house. Um, so I'm doing that. And then um, I'm also doing a game. I just recently bought a game. I'm going to do a little bit of a review here because I talked about it a couple weeks ago called uh, Cthulhu's Vault. And what Cthulhu's Vault is, it's actually a game that consists of two different parts of the game. The first part of the game 
is called the mystery phase. And what you do during the mystery phase is basically as a, as everybody playing has a handful of cards. And these cards have different people, different um, situations, different things on them. And you lay them down and you tell a story as you do it. It's an interactive story. It starts with the first player and works its way around the table just like any other card game. But you're actually telling a story as you're playing these cards. And you're getting... Uh, horror tokens and you're getting uh, clue tokens that you use later on in the second phase of the game, but it's all based around these cards. And um, I finally got a chance to play this uh, past weekend, and it's actually a lot of fun. Um, I think it's something, Brian, I think you'd enjoy it as, as, as a storyteller mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then um, the second part of it's called the epic battle stage. When somebody has enough um, of these cult tokens they can awaken the Ancient One. Now, each player has an Ancient One at the beginning, and whoever awakens their Ancient One first becomes the bad guy, and everybody else uses their characters to combat this. So, in that stage, that's where you use your cult tokens and your clue tokens, and they your characters have different things they can do with those. Fighting the Great Old One, you're telling the story oh, yeah. even more. So, I'm going to run at least one of those at uh, Evercon. I, I might go ahead and run a second one. Uh, that, I, that I haven't decided yet. Um, so Evercon, as I said, is coming up. The dates are January 6th, 7th, and 8th of 2017. I know right now we're in September. It sounds like a long way off. But we are looking for volunteers. We are looking for game masters. And when I say game masters, I mean people that run RPGs, people that run board games, people that run card games. Anything your little heart desires, any type of game you would like to run. We're looking for that. And if you do either of those, if you volunteer enough time, and I have 12 hours, I should know this, but I'm a little hazy on this. I believe it's 12 hours. If you put in 12 hours over a three-day weekend, you're going to get your badge refunded to you. So that's two, th those are kind of cool incentives. Um, and then the final thing, uh, when I speak of badges, they are not open. You can pre-reg, get your badges, um, and, and let us know you're coming. You can buy your T-shirt at that time. And um, we're starting to fill up our events, uh, so you can start um, looking through those, maybe getting ideas, maybe adding more events to them. Um, so hopefully that, that that all goes down. So Yeah, I need to get off my ass and do that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring that up to you after the podcast, but yes. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> um, all right, so then let's jump into this week in history. So... We're looking at, uh, well, let's just get started here. First article I have is September 9th, 1965, Sandy Kovacs pitches a perfect game. Now, it's the time of year. The Major League Baseball is sort of winding down for the year. They're getting ready to go into the postseason. Um, the team I root for, they're not getting anywhere near the postseason, even though they've started to play better in the last few Same weeks or so. Yeah, I know. They're sort of picking it up a little bit. But I think I, I think the Brewers are going to have a decent team in the next one or two years. I mm. mean, it, it's just rebuilding at this point. State 1965, Los Angeles Dodger pitcher Sandy Koufax pitches the eighth perfect game in Major League history, leading the Dodgers to a 1-0 win over the Chicago Cubs at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. Sandy Koufax was a talented all-around athlete from Borough Park in Brooklyn, New York. He attended the University of Cincinnati on a basketball scholarship. His impressive left arm, however, attracted the attention of Major League ball clubs, and in 1954, he was signed to the Brooklyn Dodgers. 
Advice from veteran catcher Norm Sherry turned Koufax's career around. As Koufax recounted in his autobiography, Sherry told him to, quote, take the grunt out of the fastball, unquote. And it worked. From 1962 to 66, Sandy Koufax executed what are arguably the five greatest seasons by a pitcher in baseball history. His newfound control limited his walks from 4.8 per game to just 2.1, and he pitched no hitters in three consecutive years, 1962, 63, and 64. On September 9, 1965, at the peak of his baseball career, Koufax took the mound against fellow lefty Bob Henley of the Chicago Cubs, and a pitcher's duel for the ages ensued. As it turned out, one run was all Koufax needed to bring home the victory. His fastballs, which seemed to rise as they reached the plate, whizzed past batters. His curveball was typically devastating. Buckling batter, bat, I'm sorry, buckling batters at the knees, almost always crossing the plate as a strike after following its parabolic path. As he closed in on, on a perfect game, Koufax faced the middle of the Cubs' order. He struck out Ron Santo and Ernie Banks in the eighth before striking out the side in the ninth to secure his first perfect game. In addition to throwing the first and only perfect game, Koufax struck out a total of 382 batters in 1965, shattering Rube Waddle's 1904 record by 32. Koufax won three Cy Young Awards in 1963, 65, and 66, all of them unanimous. He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1972. All right, so now, like I said, I, I like baseball. I know Brian... At least your wife likes baseball. I think you do as well. I will watch it. Okay. So, I mean, a perfect game. 27 batters. That's, well, you know, like they said, mm -hmm. seven times before that. And baseball's been around for a long time. So, I mean, that's kind of a cool thing. And when I saw that, I'm like, I like baseball. So, that's why I grabbed that one. All right. Next one. September 7th, 1940. The Blitz Begins. On this day in 1940, 300 German bombers raid London. In the first of 57 consecutive nights of bombing, the bombing, Blitzkrieg, or Lightning War, would continue until March 1941. After the successful occupation of France, it was only a matter of time before the Germans lured their, turned their sights across the Channel to England. Hitler wanted a submissive, neutralized Britain so that he could concentrate on his plans for the East, namely the land invasion of the Soviet Union, without interference. Since June, English vessels in the Channel had been attacked and aerial battles had been fought over Britain, as Germany attempted to wear down the Royal Air Force in anticipation of a land invasion. But with Germany falling to cripple Britain's air power, especially in the Battle of Britain, Hitler changed strategies. A land invasion was now ruled out as unrealistic. Instead, Hitler chose sheer terror as his weapon of choice. British intelligence had an inkling of the coming bombardment, evidence of a large-scale movement of German barges in the Channel and the interrogation of German spies had led them to the correct conclusion. Unfortunately, it was just as the London docks were suffering the onslaught of day one of the Blitz. By the end of the day, German planes had dropped 337 tons of bombs on London. 448 civilians were killed that afternoon and evening. A little past 8 p.m., British military units were alerted that the co with the code name Cromwell, meaning the German invasion had begun. One of Hitler's key strategy, strategic blunders of the war was to consistently underestimate the will and courage of the British people. They would not run or be cowed into submission. They would fight. So, that kind of goes back to the whole 
idea of um oh uh of now I can't think of the guy's name, but the uh prime minister at the time, Winston Churchill, um, you know, he said he said basically those same things. They they were not gonna bow to Germany, they were going to fight to the end. And he had such a following of people, he was so loved as a as a prime minister that they did just that. I mean, if there there have been theories that if England or if Great Britain had fallen, that the next step would have been um, Russia, followed by the United States. So uh, we wouldn't have fallen. We we have way too much space between us. Uh, the only way we could fall was if we had infiltrators within us that were able to tear us down. But I, even then, I think we would have been pretty strong. Now I think it'd be a little bit easier. Um, to separate and tear down, but then I don't think it would have. I'm not sure Churchill was as loved as you think he was. He was a good war. He was a good war prime minister. Yeah, he did not last long after the war. After the war, he was out. Right. So. Yeah. Absolutely. But. All right. And our third and final uh, this week in history piece is September 5th, 1836. <laughs> Sam Houston elected as president of Texas. On this day in 1836, Sam Houston is elected as president of the Republic of Texas, which earned its independence from Mexico in a successful military rebellion. Did you know Texas was once its own country? Yes, I'm sure just left it. <laughs> well, they want to do it again. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> born in Virginia in 1793, Houston moved with his family to rural Tennessee after his father's death. As a teenager, he ran away and lived for several years with the, Cher with the Cherokee tribe. Houston served in the War of 1812 and was later appointed by the U.S. government to manage the removal of the Cherokee from Tennessee to a reservation in Arkansas Territory. Wow, how freaking ironic. <laughs> it gets better. It does get better, I, I guarantee you. He practiced law in Nashville and from, 19, or from 1823 to 1827 served as a U.S. congressman law, before being elected as governor of Tennessee in 1827. A brief failed marriage led Houston to resign from office and live again with the Cherokee. Officially adopted by the tribe, he traveled to Washington to protest governmental treatment of Native Americans. In 1832, President Andrew Jackson sent him to Texas, then a Mexican province, to negotiate treaties with local Native Americans for protection of border traders. In 1835, Texans formed a provisional government which issued a Declaration of Independence from Mexico the following year. At that time, Houston was appointed military commander of the Texas Army. Though the rebellion suffered a crushing blow at the Alamo in early 1836, we all know about that, Houston was soon able to turn his army's fortunes around. On April 21st, he led some 800 Texans in a surprise defeat of 1,500 Mexican soldiers under General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana at the San Juanito River. Santa Ana was captured and brought to Houston, where he was forced to sign an armistice that would grant Texas its freedom. After receiving medical treatment for his war wounds in New Orleans, Houston returned to win an election as president of the Republic of Texas on September 5th. Houston served as the Republic's president until 1838, then again from 1841 to 44. Despite plans for retirement, Houston helped Texas win admission to the United States in 1845 and was elected as one of the state's first two senators. He served three terms in the Senate and ran successfully for Texas, Texas's governorship in 1859. As the Civil War loomed, Houston argued unsuccessfully against succession 
and was disposed uh, uh, from office in March 1861 after refusing to swear allegiance to the Confederacy. He died of pneumonia in 1863. That's quite a life in just that short mm-hmm. write-up. I mean, if, uh, I knew very little about Sam Houston before this, mm-hmm. other than that the city of Houston was named after him. So I think <laughs> I need to read more about Sam Houston, because, I mean, just in that short snippet, the mm-hmm. amount of life he lived, it's it's got to be amazing. It's quite a bit. All right, so this brings us now to the guy who's been uh, talking over here to my right. Our guest this weekend, his name is Brian Teeman. I have known Brian for, well, over 20 years. Let's just put it that way. I've known Brian a long time. Um, Damn long time. Yeah. And um, so every week before I have a guest, the week before, I guess what the topic is going to be. And so far, nobody has talked gaming. Which, because everybody goes, well, that was just too easy. So, um, I didn't guess gaming for you, Brian, because I figured you'd think, oh, that's a cop-out. That's too easy. So, I went with exercise and or, you know, lifestyle change because, like I was saying earlier, we've both done it. Mm-hmm. I How much weight did you lose in, in total? Um, my maximum, I was 324 pounds, and I'm currently I weighed in this morning at 190 Okay, so, so well over 100 pounds. Yeah, so. And and I've lost, well, I was at my max, I had lost about 150. I'm at about 130 right now. But just recently, I started getting back on the horse here, trying to drop that 20 pounds I gained and, you know, drop some more of it. So let's start. You can tell us uh, who you are, what you do in the real world, and then we can go into whether or not I was right on my guess. All right. Well, um... Let's see, in the real world, I, uh, I'm a third-level paladin. No, just kidding. 10th-level um, vice president. Um, I'm a ass man at a uh, local auto parts store. That's an assistant manager for those who really want to know. Although I, I do like ass man. I wish I could get that in my credit. Oh, well, never mind. Anyways. <laughs> now, if you, can get the, if you can get your company to put that on your, uh, on your um, business cards, you work for the greatest company in the world. That would be nice, but I don't. So, anyways. <laughs> um, what else? I'm um, a father, husband. Um, He's a game owner. master. Yeah, game master. I do that quite a bit. Oh, well, somewhat. Once a week. Um, let's see. What else? That's really about it. I'm oh. a homeowner. Um, <laughs> All right. All right, so was I right? Are we talking exercise, life change, diet, that kind of stuff this week? No, we're going to talk about swinging. Swinging. As in, like, couples? Or as in, like, um, out out back at the swing set? Oh, couples, definitely. No, oh. actually, I'm just kidding. My, <laughs> okay. wife, my wife right now is having a heart attack when she listens to this. She's <laughs> like, what the fuck? Anyways. No, actually, I'm going to talk about uh, my stint with the United States Post Office. Oh, okay. So Which kind of is technically correct because when I started at the post office before that I had lost some weight I was down to about 268 when I took my postmaster or my postmaster job my um, letter carrier job as a what's called a CCA we'll get into that in a little while and um, and when I left there I was um, about 190 yeah I was about 191 when I left so um, so I lost quite a bit of weight just while I was there and that's kind of what triggered this all off. So your lifestyle change thing isn't exactly wrong. It was actually a... Pretty it's a portion of. Yeah. So now, 
when you were a letter carrier, just to get get the stuff out there, you you worked in town, so you drove a little truck around, and then you walked a lot. Yes. Okay. I walked a shitload. How how many did you ever did you ever clock it? How many miles a day you put in on average? Yeah, there were, each route's different. I mean, there are some mounted routes where you don't you hardly walk at all. But um, the couple of routes I did measure, I was in the eight miles. Okay, so, so eight miles a day. I'm assuming that's going to burn more calories than you're going to take in. Not that you couldn't overdo that. And Oh, I was packing. I was eating like a damn fool. I was always hungry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, my calorie intake was way, way up, but I was burning off. I was burning it off so fast it didn't matter. Right. The so. one thing I found that is when you exercise on a regular basis, your metabolism stays up. Even after you're done exercising, oh, yeah. once you, you know, once you get in that rhythm of doing it yep. on a daily basis. Yep. So anyway, continue on. Well, um, a buddy of mine who is, uh, Audie, uh, for those who know Audie, you, you, you're good. All right. So, um, <laughs> Audie's worked for the post office for a number of years. He finally just became a, what's called a regular carrier. Before that, he was a temp. Um, he was for a, what, like eight years? Yeah, eight years. He was a temporary employee, or temporary employee, kind of a contractor kind of thingy. And then they changed it to what's called a CCA, which is what I was, which is a city carrier assistant. Um, he's always mentioned it to other friends of ours. And um, finally, the one day I was kind of like thinking about making a change. And I'm like, well, you mentioned that CCA job's open. How do I do that? So he told me I don't apply, did the online thing. Um, wait it, wait it, wait it, wait it. Finally heard back from him after the whole thing took about five months from me Holy applying for the job shit. to me getting hired for the job. That's a long freaking time. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I um, know Audie has come to me too and he's like, well, this is open and this is open. And I always tell him, Audie, what do they pay? And then he tells me and I say, I can't take the pay cut because mm-hmm. what I do now I, you know, I make decent money. Yeah. So for me, it was, for me, it was a pay increase, but, um, and there's also an ass load of overtime that you can take in, which, which also helps make up for it. But, um, I, yeah, I kind of wanted that change. I wanted something different and I was glad I did it. Um, I didn't end up sticking with it. We'll deal with that in a little while, but, um, yeah, it took about four or five months. Um, I got hired with a couple other guys that I knew. Um, a friend of mine, Dan, um, and, uh, another guy, Don, and we all got intake to, intake in at the same time. The only problem was, um, I was lower on the totem pole because I had some issues with my background check. It seems that I have a long list of felonies committed in Pennsylvania, which is a state I vacationed in once, but it's not me as it ends up. So really um, there's another Brian T. There are 20 of us. Um, uh, one's a gay physicist, I think. Okay. Um, I think I've come across him online. Um, I think he's a gay physicist. Or is he a gay physics teacher? Doesn't matter. Immaterial. Um, <laughs> you know, actually, like a nice with, with a name like Teeman, though. I, I know. I kind of surprised, too, that there, yeah. are, there are very few of us. Um, I mean, like my name, Chad Knight, There, mm. there's a ton of us. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's only one in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, that's surprising. Yeah. That's surprising. So, yeah, teamans are not very many. So those those teamans out there stand tall. But um, <laughs> all the teamans that listen to us. So that would be you, Brian, and Nikki. Um, maybe your daughters. I don't. Oh know. no, no, no. They, they, they weren't too impressed with the ice cream show. So, <laughs> like, Dad, this is really boring. It's like it's fine. It's a podcast. <laughs> yeah, they're not exactly support. I mean, 
you know, it's it's one thing to do a podcast. It's another thing to do entertainment mm-hmm. radio. Oh yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, my kids kind of have the same idea. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, all in all, it's uh, it was it, the whole thing was very interesting. I I enjoyed the job. It's the first job I left that I loved. Um, in in many ways, I regret that. Um, in many ways, I'm also glad I got my Saturday back. Um, pretty much for the year and a half, a little over a year and a half that I worked there, I worked pretty much every goddamn Saturday. Was um, that the was that the driving thing behind you leaving the post office? No, the thing that made me leave was the fact that I didn't want to be 54 years old and then finally become a regular carrier. Okay, fair so, enough. Um, it was I was. There were, how many CCAs above me? One, two, three, four, five, six above me, I think it was. Okay, and so, then, and then each one in order of, I'm sure, uh, you know, time served, whatever, would get those routes before you were ready. Yep, yep. And there were four routes when I started there that were open routes. Okay. So, those of us that were CCAs tended to do those routes more often, which was fine. And, um... And there are also these called our auxiliary routes, which are routes that aren't big enough to actually get eight hours on. Okay. And so those can't actually be those can't actually be given to care a carrier cannot have those because from a union standpoint he can't work, work. a full eight hours. Okay. All right. Okay. So those are usually what they do is they if it's if it's a full if it's a full post office and every route's taken those auxiliary routes are broken up amongst those that because the mail is light that day they might have extra time they could work. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, they so they juggle it based yeah. on flow through. So, yep. So they um. Anyways, so as CCAs, those were the routes you kind of got handed. Anyways, were those auxiliary routes, and they still took you eight hours. So I don't know what the frick they were talking about. <laughs> well, it's because you were maybe it was because you were CCAs and not you know seasoned veterans too. Oh, once even once I was a senior seasoned veteran, you still had you still put your time in on those. Okay. Things. Okay. Especially some of those um the east side run is really long. So it's like there's a lot of travel time, and I don't think they they only look at walk time. Okay. And I think that's really what they're looking for. They're not looking at travel time, which is retarded because travel time is part of the freaking job. But that's the government. So <laughs> I didn't set it up. An algorithm did. Right, um, right. Which is actually how the routes are determined is actually by like an algorithm. An algorithm goes through and figures out how much time it should take to do X amount of houses, and it goes through and makes a map based on that. All right. I so- never got to go through one of those, but I guess they're interesting now i know you're no longer with the post office i know dan is no longer there is don still there no no don was the first one gone. oh don was the first one gone okay he's actually he was out of there don and dan left about the same time pretty close yeah because i know they i know dan didn't stay long yeah he he always felt hounded and um and when we first started out um um the the um Managers, what do you want to call them? Postmaster? No, not the postmaster. The, uh, I'd be, um, uh, uh, the, uh, the three ladies. Um, but anyways, they, they tend to drive you a little bit more. Um, some other more than others, but, um, for me, it felt like very much like a army drill kind of situation. Okay. It's just like, damn it, you're not moving fast enough. You got to move faster. And it, it, it was kind of that drill. Cause after I reached a certain point where I was actually doing the times right, Okay. Everything kind of backed off. And it was like, oh, you're fine. And okay, like, so it, it's just a matter of they've got numbers they need to hit. And so yep. it's just, it's like every job shit yep. rolls downhill. Yep. And it's, and it is really different when you're, 
when you're learning to do something. There's, for the physicality of it alone, I think I probably lost my first 20 pounds in like the first month and a half. Oh, okay. And it was like, once I hit the two-month mark, I was doing pretty well at the job. Okay. Uh, my casing, which casing is something you do um, in the morning when you come there. Um, some of us came in at 6.30. Some of us came in at um, 7 or 7.15. And you do what's called casing. All your um, first-class mail, your dips, our letters, those come pre-sorted from Green Bay. Okay. So a machine does all those. So those are all in order as your route progresses. All right. And then you have little break cards that tell you where things are along the way. And then, um, but all your magazines, your um, lame um, uh, catalogs, all junk that, mail, junk mail, most most of that shit's just junk mail. Um, and anything that you subscribe to, um, some newspapers that might get sent to you, all that stuff is what's called, um, is, um, needs to be cased. So that's like your, um, class, what was it, um, two and three or whatever the heck that okay, was. Okay, so you get all that stuff, you have to sort it, then put it in with the mail that's already sorted? No. You no. actually have two different trays that you work out of. So okay. you have a go, each route has what's called a case, and there's an inch slot for each address, each house on that, on that route. Okay. And it's all set up in you know, order of it. And you just have to go through, look where it goes, and stick it in. And you do that for about an hour. I, each Everybody can case a little bit faster, depending. I was a shitty caser. Um, <laughs> I will readily admit that. I was a shitty caser. Um, I always thought maybe if I listened to headphones or something, it might help me, but it didn't freaking make a lick of difference. Um, I was just shitty at it. It okay. just took me forever. But... um. I was also never on a consistent route a lot either. And that it's like, yeah, you learn a case, but it's like when you're gone from the case for a month and you come back, yeah, it's, you got to kind of freaking relearn the damn See, thing. Well, yeah, it would be kind of that so. same theory of, you know, your job, like I've been doing my job for 12 years, but I go to, mm-hmm. I go on vacation for a week and it takes like a day or so to get back, back into the, the sink. Yep. to the sink. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So when you're floating around um, to different routes, especially over time, once you start to know a a handful of routes to kind of keep you on those routes. Um, I was really always really bad at, um, other than casing, I was pretty bad at, but anyways, uh, I digress. You have two trays, you have your, then you go through, you pull your stuff down and put those in different, you put your magazines and all those flats in um, another tray. And then you're going to keep those flats next to your dips. Okay. Your class, your first class stuff, your letters. And um, so that way when you pull up, it depends if you're going to be walking route, you can just grab that hank of mail and take that, and then you take your other hank of mail and you're, you're going to hold your magazines on your, um, on your forearm. And then you're going to hear, you're going to carry the mail in your left hand. Okay. So you have a big hank of mail like that and you have your, um, and right now you're, you trust me, just hold your left arm in front of you. You'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> and actually what the bag is for is actually nothing. Um, the only thing I ever used the bag for was if it was raining, I would take my mail and I'd take half of it, bundle it up with a rubber band, which we're every frickin' wear. Um, and you stuff it in your bag, cover it up. The And maybe if you had packages, you might throw those small packages in there if you're going to carry those. Or if your flat bundle was frickin' enormous, you might want to break that up. Um, the big thing I did was, um, the, the only thing the bag was really for is for protecting you from dog bites, um, which it didn't help me at all when I got bit by my dog. So that's another story. We'll you get got, to that. You got bit by your dog? No, I got bit by a pit bull. Um, oh, fun! So I got I got ganged up by two of them. So it's really hard. It's really hard to protect yourself from two dogs when one's behind you and one's in front of you. <laughs> Let me tell you. Well, they're pack hunters. <laughs> that is a freaking nightmare. <laughs> but um, we'll we'll get into that a little later. 
But um, so anyways, that's how you load your mail up. Um, if you're doing a mounted route, you don't have to carry anything, so you can just reach over, grab your things, and it's real easy actually. Once you kind of get in the sink of a mounted route. Now, when you when you got your hank of mail and your your forearm full of, uh, you know, whatever. Flats, yeah. What? How much do you take at a time? Do you break it down? Do you go like, okay, I'm going to take a block at a time. I'm going to take two blocks at a time. Each road is broken up into what's called or what's a what's called a walk. Usually, it's a, anywhere from usually it's anywhere from four to ten fate block facings. Okay. Um, like on Route 25, which is our west side, um, which is a hilly area, um, that route has a couple long walks that are actually. They're actually one six and one's four, but I always walked it as ten. Okay. And I'd carry that whole load because it made a nice big circle instead of two smaller circles. Okay. Everything is based on kind of walking around and coming circling back to your truck. Okay, so yeah, park, I was gonna ask that points, question. The park points are all predetermined. You can always tell where a park point once you kind of do a couple routes, you understand how the route is set up. And it's like, oh, you can see exactly where that park point is, because it should be close to where your first delivery is right and then if you look at your last delivery on there it's going to be it right be, on the corner should be around pretty the corner. damn close yeah, okay so okay so usually you're walking up a street and back down the other side is kind of usually how it goes some streets are a little bit different depends on you might have businesses um if then if you have businesses on a busy street you tend to do something what's called jumping which is you jump out of the truck you run up to the place and you run back to the car and then you jump out to the next one and then and you're kind of driving along um Sometimes, honestly, I would cheat at that, and then you'd carry, like, three places. You'd just park it, run to those three, come back. Um, and if you had packages, sometimes you had – what I would do sometimes is a real big package and circle back to there or stop there first and drop it off. Right. And then come back. So I would assume so, Christmas time, there's yeah, more stuff. Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> God. And say, like, March, probably not a whole lot. Yeah, spring was pretty nice. Um, the political season kind of gets cruddy. Um, that's a lot of junk mail yeah, though, isn't it? Of, it's a lot of shit. And it's always, and everybody gets the same goddamn shit. That's the worst part. <laughs> um, that was the worst part. But, um, it's just like, damn it, really? But, um, you really got tired of seeing like Mandy Wright and Doug Heaton. Let me tell you. Um, you know, a funny story about Doug Heaton. My wife worked with him. Oh, really? Yeah. He, uh, he's not running again. Yeah, I know. I know that because Mandy's running now. Yeah. So, so yeah, he, uh, he worked for the same company my wife did and she said he was the most reserved kind of stand back guy ever and then he decided to run for and he's shaking hands and kissing babies and she's like everybody's just looking at him going who the it's what this guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so wow. so you know it's it's kind of funny just to see how even just something as simple as running for you know basically local politics mm-hmm. changes the way a person has to go about what they do mm-hmm. that's true that's true. All right, so so you got all that kind of stuff. Um, let's let's digress here a little bit. And what is like other than I know you want to tell a story about getting bit by a dog, but other than that, what is like the worst situation you ran into while you know delivering the mail? Worst situation other than the dog bite. I um, mean, did you have people that got mad at you? Oh God, or? yeah, people are always pissed at you. Well, that was that's the thing about the job. It's you are both Santa Claus and Satan in the same outfit. Well, uh, at least there's only a few letter yeah, letter differences. Yeah. Little kids love you. Little kids, as soon as you walk up, are instantaneously attracted to the mailman. Um, if you're a pedophile, it's probably the ideal job for you. Um, 
This this statement not endorsed by your by, by your host or the United States Post Office. Um, but um, it's like little kids just come running up to you. It's like it's the mail, and they're like, "Give me the mail!" And it's like there's never any mail for you, kid. It's like I'm sorry, kid. It's like your parents don't want the mail I'm going to give you. It's either junk and crap or it's bills. You know, when I was a kid, I loved stuff labeled "resident." Oh God, yeah, because my parents didn't want it. And I got mail. You got mail. Yeah, it's just like very seldom do they ever get anything. But yeah, kids always love you. Um, it's like usually if you're knocking on a door, you've got a registered piece of mail, and it's not that's not a package. No one ever wants that letter because um, registered mail usually involves like IRS, the sheriff's department, something along that line. Something that you're not looking forward For, to. Yeah. It's never here. Sign this, and here's your check for a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we had. Um, I think the scariest one was a. I had a certified letter and I had a gentleman knocked on the door and wait it. And I usually knock twice and then I was done. I, I think you're supposed to wait for 30 seconds or a minute or something like that. I, there, there is actually a time to it. I'm sure Audie's listening to this. Going, oh my God, Brian, it's like 2.4447. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. But well, anyways. Audie, you can always come and refute Brian's stuff. Oh God, he will. So anyways, <laughs> um, so I'm waiting, and I could hear moving around in the house, and I'm like, ah, somebody's in there. So I'm like, kind of wait it, knocked a third time. And then all of a sudden, I hear like it sounds like a couch or a table being dragged across the room, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Was he blocking the front door? Yeah, he. Well, no, he had a couch in front of the front door. Oh, and he had to move the couch to get the door open. So he opens the door up, and this crazy, wild-eyed man is like, "Who are you?" And it's like, I'm dressed as a mailman. I have my uniform by that time. When you start, by the way, you don't have a uniform. It's just whatever clothes you want to wear. So if you ever see a guy walking down the street delivering mail that looks like they, like, just took him off the street, yeah, he's a CCA. He's a new guy. Be nice to him. Because um, he's probably... <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Trick or treat. He's probably confused and scared. Um, so this guy is sitting there, and he's like, what do you want? And I'm like, uh, I'm the mailman, and I have a letter that you need to sign for. And he's just like... I don't sign for that. And he's like, well, actually, yeah, you do need to sign for it. And he's like, well, who's it from? And I'm like, well, let me look. Uh, looks like the Wisconsin State Revenue uh, Association or whatever. It, right. The, the, pretty much it was a state, collect, the state tax collector. Right, right. And all of a sudden he became very disinterested in what I was holding. And um, he's like, well, I don't want that. And I'm like, you can choose to decline to sign. And he's just like, I will do that. And I'm like, thank you. That that, But by declining to sign it, which means you've... You were there, and you said to decline it, which means they know you're there. Right, right, right. So it's kind of like, you're just going to get another one some other time, dumbass. Or a revenue agent's going to show up at your house. (laughs) Knock, knock, knock. Who is it? Revenuer. But it became not not my problem. So, um, but yeah, that was the only time I was a little bit scared, especially when he went away from the door after I told him um, that I had a letter that he had assigned for. He disappeared, and they came back. And I'm like... I am going to fucking so get shot. <laughs> this is like, no. He wa- you, you're expecting him. He's going to walk up to the door and be like, you get off my land or I'm going to shoot you. I was, I was totally expecting that. But then he, after I told him he declined to sign it, then it was, his, I was his best buddy and I walked out of there and got the hell out. But, um, so yeah, that was, that went pretty well. Um, I never had any naked people answer the door to sign packages, though. Everybody else had naked people stories, and well, I never saw anything naked, unfortunately. I was no, uh, I had no good naked stories. Well, you know, though, most of the time, and, and, it, and it holds true for most things that start with the word naked, 
if they're naked, you probably don't want to see them anyway. No, you probably don't. <laughs> it's 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 funny because when uh, my oldest daughter went to Germany, when Emma went to Germany, mm-hmm. they ended up at this place where swimming was it was optional. Oh, okay. Whether or not mm-hmm. you were clothed or not. Yeah, those Germans have a nudity issue though. And uh, she said, "Dad, it was just all." old guys yes <laughs> i'm like yeah that's usually the way it is she goes and one really old lady and she was just sitting there just just sitting there all spread out and she didn't care and i'm like once you get to a certain age you just don't care <laughs> guess you just don't have to give a shit but anyway wow. yeah that's you know it's sweet. always like it's always you know when i remember being in high school they're like yeah in france because i took french in france they have nude beaches everywhere and i'm like that would be amazing and then you get to be older and realize it's just middle-aged guys walking around naked. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. So you want to go ahead and uh, regale us with the story of the two pit bulls. All right. So I'm down in a place called The Hollow. Um, okay. Which in our area is a lowland area. I used to get flooded out a lot when we were kids, but um has been flooded in a long time. But anyways, I digress. I was walking along. Um, these two dogs had chased me a couple times before. But they never made contact. It was always um, kind of chased me out of the yard, and I was okay with that. I, you know, lived with that. That was not an uncommon situation. And um, so I was coming up on the other side of the street from the house. It was a Saturday morning, I think, and I was walking along. There was a group of people out of the house that was approaching, and they, um, and all of a sudden, these two dogs came running across the street at me. And, oh, so they left the yard. Oh, yeah, they left the yard. Well, and then I was, actually, I was at the house bef- just before where the people were. That's okay. right, because there was a real tall stairs. And so I was up there, and I had a spot to defend myself. That was it. And I remember one of the big dog with the long legs came running up, and I sprayed that pit bull in the face with my mace, which is what you're supposed to do. And so I sprayed the dog. The dog ran away. And then I got, I wanted to kind of get by the people, so I... Because otherwise I was just at this house with no one was home. So I had no out. There was no right. there was no escape. So I went to this next house. And while I was trying to get to that next house, the dogs circled back from They went back home. They ran back at me. And um, that's when the big dog was running at me. So I was trying to block it with my bag and spray it. And you're also trying to hold on to your freaking mail, by the way. You know, you know, I suppose I could have thrown the mail. That's what everybody said. You should have thrown the mail. And this is like, but then I got to pick it up and resort it. So it's just like, it's more work anyways. <laughs> but so I was holding on to it and um, sprayed that, sprayed the big dog in the face. The problem is the smaller pit bull, which is actually like a wiener dog shaped pit bull. It was like a full pit bull body, but a little wiener dog legs. So I'm guessing, yeah, I'm guessing it must have, his mother must have been really a peach. But, um, or his dad really had a stepladder. But anyways, <laughs> something bad happened. And, um, and that one came up behind me and bit me in the back of my calf. And, um, took a, didn't take a chunk out of me, but took a, yeah, it was bleeding pretty good. And, um, so he had bit me, I think, actually twice. Um, Holy I think crap. Were, I think there were two bite marks on me. You must be tasty, Brian. I guess I probably am. I'm not, now I'm pretty lean, so yeah, I'm mostly yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like one of those 94% cows. You're more like beef jerky. There you go. And um, so I ended up, then finally the lady who owned the freaking dogs came out of the tent that she was living in, the backyard. I don't know the situation. There was a house. They weren't living in it. They were living in the tent, which was the problem with the dogs running around the neighborhood by, anyways. All right. So the situation, um, she got the dogs under control in the house or wherever the hell they got them. And um, I continued on my merry way. And then I had to call my 
one of my bosses up and had them come out and look at it and ended up, um, I ended up at walk-in. They cleaned it up, did a police thing. Um, workers comp covered it all and stuff like that. But, uh, that was a pretty freaking eventful day. And, so and, uh, did the dog that bit you end up getting tested for rabies and all that kind of oh, stuff? Oh, that was another, another clusterfuck. Um, so, okay. Ends up, those two dogs were known by the police very well because the whole neighborhood had been calling them in. Okay, so so these were trouble dogs to begin oh, with. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Because the, they never got chained up. It's just like, you have two dogs, they're tearing the neighborhood. Fucking chain the goddamn things up. Well, I chain up my dogs. And How fucking hard is it? And your dogs aren't going to do anything. You're going to have one of your dogs is going to bark and then the other one's going to run up to you, piss on your foot and run away. Pretty much, yeah. That sums, <laughs> sums it up in a nutshell. And yeah, it, it's that's the part that I just, it's like, how hard is it to buy a length of chain, go to a freaking garage sale and pick up a goddamn dog chain? I, I don't care how expensive they are. You can find a, something to tie up your dog with. Right, yeah. And um, and I think she just didn't think she needed it. I think she just thought they were perfect little angels. And it's just like, you're fucking delusional. Well, of but, course, she was living in her backyard in a tent. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, but anyways, they, the problem that I ran into was, Supposedly the dog had his rabies shot, but I don't think that ever got proved. It was just hearsay. Okay. So exactly what happened with that, I don't know. Supposedly the dog was treated in Rhinelander. That was a story that the policeman was told that he told me. And I'm like, so the dog's okay. And he's like, well, we're waiting for them to produce proof of that. And you, you know, never heard about produce I never proof. heard of the produce proof ever after that. It's like, we'll get a hold of you. And I never, ever heard about that. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious because... Later on, I did hear um, that it's like the dogs when the animal pers- when the animal control a- um, agent went to go pick up the dog mm-hmm. to put it under quarantine, um, the dog magically disappeared. And this is like really. Did they check the tent? I yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Well, they she drove. She got the when she got the dogs under control, she put them in a car, and drove away. Oh, so I and ends up the big dog actually did bite somebody before. So actually, she was really lucky the big dog didn't bite me because that would have been its second or third offense. And right, and that's an automatic. Yeah, it would have had to have been put down. But, right. So it was a fortunate that I got bit by the other dog from that lady's standpoint. Not my standpoint. I still got bit by a dog. But um, true. So fortunately, it wasn't anything major. I didn't lose an eyeball or an ear or anything, but um, or a testicle. But other than that, it was just like uh. Yeah, it was, uh, it was it was an interesting time. Um, there were lots of other injuries that happened too. Uh, winter's a good time. Um, oh, I suppose for falling oh, ice, oh, horrible. And that was the that was the only thing I didn't. That overall, you don't slip and fall as much as you think you would. Um, although you do really question, you do question people. It's just like seriously, your mailbox is up a flight of freaking twenty stairs, and you can't do anything and it's just like shovel the stairs yeah and it's just like so you just kind of you walk by that house and then two weeks later there's it's still piling up and it's just like you know and i've lived in town pretty much since i got married so mm-hmm. i mean growing up i lived out uh wasn't really country but the suburbs mm-hmm. and you know we had a driveway and stuff so it wasn't much a, it wasn't a big deal as far as the snowman was or snowman the mailman was ca- concerned as long as yeah. he could get to our mailbox mailbox yeah. he was fine mm-hmm. Cause we were on a we were on a route where they drove everywhere, you know. Yep. But since I moved to town, you know, I've always been worried that if I don't shovel my driveway or I don't shovel my sidewalk, you know, I've always been told, well, they'll find you. They can find you if you don't do that. They can't find you, but they can. Um, they will just hold the mail. They'll withhold it. So you. Um, so we'll either leave it back at the, leave it back at the post office and throw it in a bin. Yeah. And then. 
And then well, the, the, the one problem is if there's a little, they might, they can send a letter to you or we have little letters that we can fill out like shovel your walkway or shovel Well, we got stairs. one of those here um, one year. Our, our mailbox is on the road. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we got it. Cause I mean, I could walk right up to the front of it, but they had stuck the letter in there saying that. Well, they like, uh, overall, if it's a mounted route, they'd like it cleared 10 feet around around it so they can pull out and pull in so if it's if it's too deep there those little those little llvs which are freaking thousands of years old Mm -hmm. um don't do real well i I don't understand it it's like down south they have four by four um llvs okay which are based on a ford explorer chassis okay and up here we always have the chevy s10 rear wheel drive ones and it's like, that makes no goddamn sense. But, um... <laughs> You're right. That doesn't make any this sense. Is like, it's like, I kept that. It was like, this is retarded. I mean, if, they, if they've if got the option for a four-wheel drive, why wouldn't they I do know. that? I don't know. Well, I think there was an expense then, too. I think LLVs originally were dirt cheap to produce. Oh, okay. Um, the, you know, the aluminum body S10. Because the S10, there's, like, freaking nothing to it. Right. But, um, whereas, you know, once you bring in a four-wheel drive chassis, you've got all that, you've got all the extra gearing, you've got all the extra axles... You're, you know, it's like you have a lot of different shit going on there. See, I always thought that standpoint. the mail trucks around here were Jeeps, but they're not. No, no, that's a, just a Chevy S10 with the aluminum body on it. Oh, okay. So and the aluminum body is actually, the S10 frames are the same as a regular S10 frame. So okay. it's any S10 chassis from like 1992 to like, I think up to like, two, probably through 2002 would work. Because I think they're all the same frame. Okay. So, and, and actually, I think there have been, I've seen a couple... LLVs where they've had a complete frame changeover and they just reuse the body. Okay. So, so yeah. all right. So now we've talked about some of the bad things. Let's flip that. What were some of the good things about working for the post office? Um, I know I've heard Audie say that, you know, at Christmas time, you know, people on your route will give you stuff and things like that. Now, and as a CCA, you're not supposed to hold that. You're supposed to give that to the regular carrier. Okay. That's what I was just going to ask you as if as a, as a, as an underling, do you get, to keep any of that if it was food hell yes that was gone <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what he was talking about i didn't see any chocolate <laughs> sorry about those brownies yeah those that shit got eaten right away um money wise no one ever actually gave me any money i remember getting cards or anything like that um if it was a full card i usually gave that to the regular carrier but if it was food it was gone um yeah that was, seems like a fair trade there, there were no qualms uh it's like oh yeah i was getting ingested quickly So, all right, so maybe not something like that, but what were some of the good aspects of being a letter carrier? Um, It was kind of neat being part of a community. I mean, yeah, as a citizen, I am part of a community, but you're like an integral part of, what's the best way to put it? It's like your underpants. Underpants are, everybody wears underpants except for a couple Scots, but everybody (laughs) wears underwear and mailmen are like underwear. Okay. They're everywhere. Um, and they're part of the whole fabric. Every place has a mailman. You know, it's got this person that's, you know, it's like once you're a regular on a route, you can also, you know, your customers. So it's like, you know, the old people. So it's like, you know, you haven't seen Florence in two days. Maybe you knock on Florence's door and see if Florence is still moving. Or if she's in there rotting away. Exactly. Right. So it's like, and and so you know those things. And, um, so we're kind of, they were part of the fabric of you know, the United States, well, anywhere. I mean, postmen are everywhere. Right. Literally. Right. I mean, and it doesn't matter if you live a hundred miles from nowhere, 
you, it's a rural letter carrier, but you're still going to have a letter carrier. You're still, still going to have a postman. Yep, you're still going to have that. You're still going to have that contact. There's it's always a constant contact, and that's kind of that was a neat thing. Because um, it's like once in a while you'd see people outside outside of the job, and mm-hmm. they wouldn't always remember you, but um, they'd remember you enough that just like you look familiar. Right. And, right. And um, I was kind of like, I definitely felt more in tune with the community. Of um, what's happening in the community? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you also you also knew so many more, didn't really know them, but you knew them, you knew them enough that you saw them. Right, right. You know, and so when you were out places, and when I'm out now, it's too, it's just like, I remember seeing these people, I remember delivering the mail or giving them a package or having them sign for a package and, you know, passing a few words between them. Right. And I mean, and that's, that's a true thing, because in what I do, I mean, we're based in Wausau. But most of my work mm-hmm. is not local. Yeah. So, I mean, I can tell people where I work and they're like, and you're like, I, I'm in the, you know, wants a professional building. And they're like, oh, okay. But nobody knows the company I work yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that's kind of, that's like my current job and the job beyond that. It's like, I'm in the community, but people have to come to me. Um, yeah, It's like. No one wants to go to the auto parts store. No one's happy about going to the auto parts right. store. Right. Nobody ever walks in and they're like, I need some pistons and I need some rings and because my car blew up. Yeah, exactly. No <laughs> one's ever is. It's like, I mean, yeah, you have people come in there that are building building engines and stuff like that. But for the most part, you know, it's just like chances are if it's a regular retail guy, he's coming in there because something's broken and right. you know, he's having a shitty day. And he's trying a to day. save a few bucks by doing it yep. himself. Exactly. So you have to walk him through it. But um, whereas with letter hearing, it just you just did it, and then yeah, yeah, it's like you got to play with some kids once in a while, shoot some baskets. Um, you get to bit some friendly dogs. Um, you get you know, it's like you ran into dogs that really loved you. Um, you ran into some dogs that freaked out. Um, uh, true story: of the dog at the airport. Um, it's on Route One. She, uh, I'm trying to remember her name. She was great because I went in there in winter. It was all bundled up. I was not the regular carrier. First time I was doing the route. She ran up to me all excited because I was all bundled up like a mailman, like the regular mailman. Right, right. She ran up. She was expecting um, the regular carrier's name was Tim. Ran up to Tim, thinking it was, ran up to me thinking it was Tim. And she got about six inches away from me and caught my smell. And I could tell, I could tell when she caught that smell because it was like sniff, head went back, eyes got big as saucers. And the look of sheer, unadulterated terror filled her face. <laughs> and it was just like, and I, I saw it and I'm like, oh no. And she ran away from me and just barked up a blue screen. Well, at least she didn't run at so, you and no, try no, to bite she you. Was, yeah, she <laughs> was way too scared. She was a lot like um, my big dog, Willow, which doesn't okay. like, which likes to bark at Chad. Yeah, constantly. Yeah, Chad, she loves as long as he's sitting down. If she, in fact, And if, she really loves me if I bring sausage. Oh yeah, yeah. She loves Chad's sausage. So, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to, just whatever. She's doing an entire show on double entendre. In hey, double hey, entendre. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, but yeah, that was pretty funny. I was, uh, and that dog never liked me after that. She would come up to me and I, honestly, you're not supposed to give dog treats, but honestly, a lot of the carriers do. Um, and I would, if I had a treat for her, I'd give her a treat. Um, and after that, she responded a little bit, but she was always, she was always nervous around me. Well, because um, you weren't the regular, and, so. and and dogs like people, mm-hmm. they they like and dislike people. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they trust and distrust yeah. people based not on what we yeah. would consider criteria, yeah. because 
quite honestly, your dog barks at me like I'm coming in the house to steal everything. Yeah, I didn't. It's like you've been coming to my house now for what two, three years? Yeah, something like it's, that. It's like, it's like, oh, the chance here. I better bark my ass off until like, we get downstairs where we role play. Then she's fine all night until uh, what nine thirty ish, and then she started looking at me like, all right, time to go. <laughs> time to get your ass out of here. You're out of treats. I'm getting tired. Get yep. the hell out of here. Man. Yep. All right, man. So, um, any parting words on this before we move on? Well, not that I can really think of. Um, no, that's about it. Would you recommend that somebody out there, if they're like, I'm looking for a change, if they're young enough? If they're young enough, yes. Um, I will say this. One CCA, um, when I was there, um, real nice girl, um, really deserved her out. I know she still doesn't have her out. And I left there this it, it, a year yesterday, actually. Okay. Um. So it's you know, so in the two and a half years that I knew her, she still doesn't have a route. And um, as far as I as far as as far as I know, I'm pretty sure she doesn't. And um, for her, that's been nine years. Wow, that's and, a long time. Well, and, like we said, Audie was there eight at least. Yeah, he was there for eight, and um. You know, it took him a long time too, and now you know he's been a regular for five years now, four years. But I'm it. It's like you have those benefits hanging out there like a carrot and the end of that stick, but it's like that damn stick doesn't grow any shorter. So, as a CCA, you don't get any of the benefits. Um, no, you you have a stipend for um, you get a like a hundred and hundred and quarter towards insurance if you want to buy it. Um, insurance wasn't stupendous for the CCAs. The union had a couple things you could buy into. Um, so are you allowed in the union as a CCA? Yes, you are. Okay. I was a member of the union, um, which involved drinking a pizza, which was cool. But, um, and they... I joined that union. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for the most part, um, yeah, what else was there? There was like a retirement thing, which actually I did put some money in. Um, actually, I just took that out actually and put it um, somewhere else. But, um... And that was growing actually at a pretty good rate. Not as well as, again, the government pension would be and stuff like that. Right. But And that would have been nice to get that rolling. You know, again, I didn't want to be 53 and, you know, I had... Just getting your route. Yeah, just getting my route and have 12 years left. It's like, well, F that shit. You know? Right, right. So it's just like... But. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming in. Let's uh, let's you. move on to the next one. And then I'll pull you back in at the very end. Um, so next up, um, next week, um, our guest, um, actually is a guy that both Brian and I know he's part of our role-playing group. Um, his name is Mike Harbert. I don't, I've known Mike a year and a half, maybe something like that. Yeah. Year, year and a half, yeah, yeah something like that. He, he kind of joined our group. Um, and, uh, I really don't know what he's going to talk about, but I'm going to say he's going to talk about the one thing he always talks about. Which would be swimming. Um, he works for the Y. Um, he, uh, I believe, he is a, uh, a a referee or whatever they call swimming officials. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does that. Um, but uh, we'll see if I'm how, how wrong I am. I'm not going to say if I'm right because that's not going to happen. We'll see how wrong I am when he joins us next week. Um, this would be also the part where I would be reading. Email from listeners. Um, we have four episodes that have been released already. This is episode seven. I have not seen any email yet or, or anything, but 
We are getting hits. People are listening to the podcast. So I want to thank those of you that are listening. Drop us a line. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell me if I need to get off the air. Um, you know, whatever it is, just let us know what you guys are thinking. Um, let me know if you like the format. Let me know if you'd like maybe something added, something subtracted. Maybe you don't like something. Maybe you think, well, why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he doing that? So just send the emails in. Uh, it gives me a chance to read them. I will share them out. Um, the other thing that um, I, I am begging for at this point is uh, music. I do have a uh, intro music, uh, but it really doesn't fit the style of the show. So I'm looking for somebody who's willing to step up, put together a little intro-outro music that I can use. I will plug you every time I use it. If I get more than one, I will cycle through them. And whoever wrote it and or created it, I will give you a plug. Please don't use anything that's copyrighted. Um, and try to pass it off as your own because... I don't want to get in trouble, and I don't want to be mad at you. So, <clears throat> all right, let's go ahead and shut this thing out here, Brian. Now, what I do is at the end, I do a quote of the day. And what I'll do is I'll read the quote, and then you get to guess and see if you know who made the quote. And if not, I guess I'll tell you. All right, so the quote, today's quote is, Chemistry can be a good and bad thing. Chemistry is good when you make love with it. Chemistry is bad when you make crack with it. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that one. That's a famous person that's it? That is a... I always use famous people. Uh, that's pretty funny, though. That's kind of <laughs> Um, Gene Wilder. Uh, good guess. Uh, no, it was actually Adam Sandler. Oh, wow. Um, I involve a shampoo bottle going up his ass? <laughs> There were several of those. I had to kind of weed through to get one that was both A, funny, and B, not disgusting. Um, but anyway, I picked that one because today is Mr. Sandler's birthday. So happy birthday, Mr. Sandler. I'm sure you're listening. But he turned 50 today. Holy shit, he's 50 fucking years old? 50 today. Holy Christ. How is that fair? He looks like he's 28. Yeah, but he's, he's in Hollywood. He can Botox the shit out of himself. Well, yeah, I suppose, so. but... Uh, so anyway, well, everybody, thank you for listening. Brian, again, thank you for being on. And uh, thank you for letting me. We'll talk to you next week.